Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Philippians chapter 3. All right. So last week, we made it through verse 8, 9, and 10. Actually, 9 and 10. So this week, we are moving into verse 11, where Paul begins to talk about the resurrection from the dead. And Josh Meeks, we are going to talk about the out-resurrection tonight. You're going to love it. So just briefly, as we review here, before we go into verse 11, we saw in verse 9 that our righteousness cannot be earned. How many say praise the Lord for that? We cannot join a religion to obtain it. We cannot do enough acts of service or give enough money for it. We cannot take vows to obtain it or physically abuse our body to obtain it. Thank God Jesus was abused for us. Paul was born into the right family and nation. He was raised correctly. He joined what he thought was the best of the best in, the religion, in his religious community. He was full of zeal, keeping the law with great detail. He chased down what he thought was a cult and put their followers in prison and had them murdered. Nothing he did in the natural was enough. Only faith in Christ for righteousness is enough. Amen? So I, I, and that's what he discovered, and you can imagine the relief. We saw that in verse 9. Then we saw in verse 10, it is vital that we have a continual intake of knowledge from the Word of God. How many realize that? The moment you think you know it all, you're in trouble. The moment you think you've studied enough, you're in trouble. Uh, Brother Hagin used to say to us, the more I learn, the more I see I didn't know much. And you know, you, I mean, you talk to people that, have been, that are seasoned in the Lord, that have been walking with the Lord for 40, 50, 60 years, and the ones that have a good heart and are really passionate of faith, they get more excited every year and more free every year than they were before. That's why I always tell people, I, I had somebody tell me as they were attending church through the, through, through the months and through the years, they said to me, if one thing I've learned from you, Sean, it's don't quit. Exactly. Don't quit. Because a lot of people quit. And then they blame God when they quit. That's trouble. It's always dangerous to blame the only one that can help you for your problems. Amen? So we don't quit. So it's vital that we keep getting knowledge. Our level of maturity or walking in the full graces of the resurrection is directly tied to our knowledge. We saw here that the more maturity we walk in, Uh, We saw here that the more maturity that we walk in, the greater persecution we can handle. Did you know that? Who is the one that empowers you? Now, you have to define persecution, but Christ is the one that empowers. The more you know of his word, the stronger you will be against your enemy, even if it's coming through flesh, even if he's coming through flesh, flesh and blood. Amen? Amen. All that Satan has is no match for the resurrection or the graces of God. All right, let's go to verse 11. Paul says this, and I'm just going to read a couple of verses before that uh, just so we can get a little bit of context to it. Verse 9 says, and be, he, he desired to be found in him, not having his own righteousness, which is from, uh, but the righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. How many have read that and thought, I thought we were saved by grace through faith? Why am I attaining to something now? 
So let me read it uh, in, uh, with some words in here to help you out. It says this, If by any means or in some way I, made it, I might attain, reach the goal unto the resurrection, and that word resurrection in the Greek is out-resurrection. It's out-resurrection. So if you want to put that in your notes, you should. Realize it is out-resurrection. From the dead. This is what is known as the out-resurrection. All right? Now, I had never heard of this at all. This is new to me, okay? And there are different perspectives on this, although I do like Bob Yandian's. I'm not going to lie. I really like it. And I studied it through and looked at it, and I can see arguments on both sides. But I want to teach this to you, and you can judge it for yourself. But it says this, within the resurrection of the church, the rapture, are ranks or orders. Okay? So within the resurrection of the church are ranks and orders. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse number 20. Let's see if we can see some of this. Says this, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam, how many know we all died in Adam? Even so in Christ all shall be made alive. That's all those that receive him. They've actually all been made alive, but they have to receive it. Isn't that sad? You're actually going to have people go to hell that were made alive. They just never received it. They rejected it. Because, you know, Jesus doesn't have to come back and get crucified again for anybody. That's really sad. So as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Now watch this verse 23. But each one in his own what? Order. Christ the firstfruits after those who are Christ at his coming. So afterward, Christ is the firstfruits, and then after that, we have the rest. Amen? All right. So here we see the return of Christ. As we look down in this chapter, let's go to verse 40. We'll see different rank and reward being handed out. 1 Corinthians 15, still same chapter, verse number 40. Go there. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. How many know heaven, earth? Terra, celestial, right? Okay, so heaven, earth. They're two different bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. Now listen to me closely. Now some of you, I know you, some people, we, there are all sorts of different theories, uh, theories I should say theories, I don't know if I want to say that, but there are all sorts of different perspectives on end times, but I'm going to share with you what I do believe concerning these things. So the rapture is guaranteed to all believers. Now I know ministers that don't believe in the rapture, I think they're wrong. All right, I just do. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen the argument. It doesn't make sense to me. As far as I can see, as far as the church is concerned, I don't ever see God just abusing his church that's in obedience. Amen. I mean, if you look at Noah, he was pulled out. If you look at, there are so many examples. And so this is what, this is what I believe. But the rapture of the church 
is guaranteed to all believers. But the ranks within the rapture, listen to this closely, are determined by the production of divine good during this life. This is not human works under the energy of flesh, but divine works, agathos is the Greek word, produced under the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul's desire here is not to attain to the resurrection. This was a guarantee, uh, this was guaranteed him at the new birth, as it is for all believers. How many realize you, you were born again by grace through faith? Okay? Now we're going to get into this more, so don't disconnect on me because I will tie this together and you will see it. Okay? Just hang with me. All right? So Paul's desire is that his reward for knowing God, the power of Christ, the power of Christ's resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings would be to join the elite group in the resurrection to shine as the sun to attain to the out-resurrection. All right? This goal was not only attainable to Paul then, but is also attainable to each believer in the church today. Now, lest you think that I have abandoned my strong stance on by grace through faith, do not disconnect in your head and don't let your head go somewhere that it's not, that I'm not going, because I will tie them all the way back together. It will make perfect sense by the time we're done, okay? Or it'll be clear at least. This goal is not only attainable to Paul then, but also is also attainable to each believer in the church today. So this is attainable to you, because what you're going to see is it actually, the out-resurrection is actually defined as spiritual maturity. That's what it's defined as, all right? All right, so as we fellowship with God and follow his leading in obedience, we work from the grace that is provided for those tasks. When we stand before the Lord and the fire hits our works, we will either see reward, a pile of ashes, or both. How many know that our works will be judged? Yes, they will. People say, oh, no, I'm, I'm going to. Jesus paid it all. He paid it all for you to get in there, and he also deposited it all for you to work while you're here. And that's what we're going to get to. And that's what the out-resurrection is. How many of that's a new phrase you've never heard that before? Oh, yeah, I know why we're here. All right. <laughs> grace works. Listen to me. Grace works produce rewards. Religious works do not, saved or unsaved. Religious works do not, saved or unsaved. You say unsaved people do religious works? Yes, all the time. Some people will even blow their own trumpet in the middle of the street. So-and-so actress gave a million dollars to this benefit. Dun-dun-dun-dun. I hope you enjoyed your reward because you got it. People knowing you did it. Because that's a religious work. It wasn't from grace. Because you're not supposed to let your right hand know what you're, right? You're not supposed to let that happen. All right. So think about it this way. In this life, which is rewarded higher? Maturity or immaturity? So why would God be different? Why would God be different. You do it with your kids. 
Because they're because God does what? And you you have done what with your you've empowered them to do right. So God's the same way. Amen? Now we'll see if we can get you happy on the last one so you don't go off, you know, for the summer sad. I know you guys are just thinking, I got it. You're thinking, I got it. I want to clarify something here. When we talk about rewards in heaven, we must realize that each person is judged according to their individual relationship and mandate from God. We cannot look, this is not judgment, heaven, or hell. Do you understand? This has nothing to, you've made heaven. How many received Jesus? You have him in your heart. You're going. You're in. Yeah, thank God. I know, if it was by works, I wouldn't have made it. <laughs> so that, that's not what it, this is about individual relationship and mandate from God. Listen to me. Individual relationship and mandate from God. Okay? Both. We cannot look at what a very famous preacher has done and compare our lives to them. They may have been world-renowned and had a very shallow relationship with the Lord. You say, is that possible? Let me tell you, it is possible because I've ridden in cars with famous preachers. I'm telling you, just because they have an anointing up here does not mean they have a close relationship with the Lord. Mantles are mantles. They go no matter what. They go. They work no matter. They're without repentance. They work no matter what. Why? Because you, because God loves the people. Amen? So you can't compare yourself to somebody else. So we can't look at a famous preacher and compare our lives to them and look at them and go, they're probably going to be the most you know, rewarded person in heaven. You don't know that. Okay? It's individual. So God knows each of us by name and has detailed notes on our lives. Rewards are handed out individually. So, I will put it to you this way. There may be a young mother who is called to pray and raise kids and be a wife. And then there may be a young man who is called to be single, live in a foreign country as a missionary all his life. As long as both of them grow spiritually in Christ and obey the call of God on their lives, they will receive high rank and reward. So, Concerning the out-resurrection, think of it like this. I just need to follow my Lord and walk in obedience to Him in concerning our relationship and fellowship in maturity and do what He tells me to do. Have you ever been around somebody who's really passionate about something, but you're not, and you like walk away feeling bad? It's like, yeah, I should probably care more about that. <laughs> You won't, your passion will be found out of fellowship with the Lord. That's where it'll be found. That's where it'll be found. And as long as you follow the Lord and obey Him, come on, you're in heaven anyway. But you walk that out and that maturity and you follow Him and do what He's called you to do, your reward will be great. Amen? Your reward will be great. So let's look at verse 12. So keep this in mind. This is the out-resurrection. So verse 12, we continue talking about maturity. This is all about maturity. Now that I have, not that I have already attained. So Paul makes a statement. Look, I have not already attained to this or I'm already perfected, but I press on. 
I follow after, that I may lay hold or seize possession of, or appropriate. I like that word appropriate better for that word. Lay hold is to appropriate of that for which Christ Jesus has also seized or overtaken me. So Christ laid hold of humanity through the cross and made grace available to all men. Man lays hold of, of Christ or grace through faith receiving Jesus. This then deposits abundant grace into our hearts. These graces are revealed through the written word and then accessed by faith. Remember we talked about knowledge of the word. So Paul's one desire is to lay hold of and live out what Christ had laid hold of him for. Does that make sense? So in other words, it, it's almost the way they word it and stuff. I'm sitting here reading it. Uh, I was in my office. I'm reading it and I'm looking at it. I'm thinking, Lord, how do we say this? So Christ came by grace. We didn't earn it. And he died and he actually, in the spirit, has taken care of every sin that will ever exist or has existed. And in the spirit, he supplied you with everything necessary to live as a child of God. But you have to lay hold of that which he laid hold of you for. Come on. You see it? He deposited every victory. The Lord's been using this phrase with me lately. The, the powerful graces that were provided in the resurrection. These are resurrection graces. What does that mean? That means these are empowerments that came into you when you received Jesus. And those empowerments are labeled and marked. Every, everything the devil had, Jesus whipped and then gave you the victory. Now, I love this. He didn't just get... So really, the linchpin in all of us is just our will to decide to obey. And to access by faith what he's already given. But what Jesus did is he supplied those things. So when you were born again, what was deposited into you? The resurrection. Come on. Come on. Did the resurrection get put in you? Yeah, the DNA of heaven got put in you. People say, people say no, I'm just a sinner. You, if you're, not, you're not a sinner if you're, if you're saved. If you're a sinner, you're not saved. People say, but I sinned. Yeah, but did you do righteous to get righteous? See, the, the, the boat sails both directions. <laughs> In other words, people say, well, I'm sinning. I know, that's because you're not, you haven't, you're not drawing from the deposit. People say, but I feel so bad. Stop it. Just repent and keep fellowshipping with the Lord. You'll quit. People say, you know, I had a guy tell me, I had a guy today at the church and you know, different contractors coming through, looking at different things, giving me bids and different stuff. And uh, <laughs> he's got a hat on, and he goes, and I didn't even notice the hat. You know, it did, it did, I didn't really look at the hat. You know, I was just talking to him. And uh, he says to me, oh, I apologize for my hat. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> you know, like, for what? And it had a kind of a derogatory term on it. And I said, the hat's not the issue. I said, God loves you. He goes, yeah, you're right. I said, that hat, Jesus is not offended by your hat. Now, you get close enough to him, you'll stop wearing the hat. 
Ask me how I know. <laughs> it's not going to, I can't, it, people, you know, because they, they, you know, they, they, they've been trained to think a certain way about ministers. And I, you know, I gave him, I invited him to church. He's like, oh, thanks. And I, you know, I gave him a, a card and stuff. But here's the thing. God sees you. I'm not your go-between. I'm not a priest. You don't have to come confess to me your sins. Amen. Amen. I'm not going to sit behind a little mesh thing. I'm not going to let you call me father. (laughs) The Pope is not the manifestation of the body of Christ in the earth. Sorry. Actually, I'm not really sorry about that at all. (laughs) We are the body of Christ. Those that are sanctified, set apart, those that are born again. So what Paul is saying here is saying, look, I am striving to live out of everything that Jesus put in me. I want to manifest every part of the resurrection. I am going to strive for this till the day I die because I know that as I do that, it pleases the Lord. And the works of grace, the works, those production of kingdom realities in the earth that are birthed out of or came from the supply of the spirit of the resurrection within me cause me to, to attain to the out-resurrection. Or the elite of the elite. In other words, I'll just put it to you like this. Jesse Duplantis just shared his, his uh, thing on going to heaven. He said there were different ranks. People were ranked differently in heaven. Some people had a gown of salvation and others had robes of righteousness. With markers on them to imply rank. And the ones that had robes of righteousness on that came into heaven, as soon as they got there, they were allowed to go to the throne. The ones that had gowns of salvation, they had to be nurtured, trained. They had to be fed. They had to be developed. Why? Because you can live like a devil on this earth and be born again and still make heaven. Because you're not making heaven by your works. People go, oh, I don't know if I like that. Well, then let's judge your life according to uh, that rule. How many perfect days have I had? And which one am I going to trade for my salvation? (laughs) It takes the fun right out of judging, doesn't it? (laughs) Okay, good. We laughed. We made it through. (laughs) It's not a competition against your brothers and sisters. That's not the issue. The issue is spiritual maturity, fellowship with God, and obeying Him. That's the issue. Fellowship with Him. You'll never... There are going to be grandmas and single ladies who prayed for 30 years in their basement with five other people that are going to be rewarded. Some of, In fact, I, have, I know of a testimony. I, I, I couldn't reference it right now as far as where exactly it was. But I've heard this before about a minister who actually went to heaven. The Lord took him to heaven. This was different than Jesse Duplantis. And uh, in heaven, he saw a famous preacher. And that famous preacher was a servant there. He was low ranking. 
And there was another person that they recognized there, and I think they were like maybe a janitor on the earth or something like that. It was something what people would consider menial, but that person fulfilled what God, and they were high-ranked in heaven. I know people don't like this because they don't want to have to think about earning something, but you're missing the point. You're not earning something if you're living from a grace. I know. See, we, 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 it's, it's socialism uh, gospel. You say, what do you mean by that? We're all equal. You know, they want capitalism on the earth, but they want socialism in heaven. No. God's a capitalist. He totally is. He totally is a capitalist. They say, well, we're all equal. It's not in the sense of, yes, in in the sense of being born again, of being a child of God, yes. But God's no fool. He's not like, yeah, bring me the laziest believer I got. I'm going to put him in charge of everything. Come on. There's no way. You would never do that. You know, do you pick your most disobedient child who doesn't pay attention to anything to watch the other kids? You're crazy if you do that. That's a bad idea. (laughs) New Living Translation says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. That's maturity. But I press on to perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. I like that. Uh, In the uh, God's Word translation, it says this, It's not that I've already reached the goal or I've already completed the course, but I run to win that which Jesus Christ has already won for me. I love that. I run to win that which Jesus Christ has already won for me. Now that's grace. That is grace. The Passion Translation says, I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into the abundance, into his abundance, so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I like the Passion Translation on that. So I I run with passion into his abundance. And out of that, that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. That's so good. We are born again. When we are born again, we are made perfect in spirit by the work of Christ. For this point, we begin the, from this point, we begin the process of spiritual growth. Every believer starts out as a baby in Christ. As we grow in our relationship with God through Christ and put into practice the instruction from the Word of God, we develop spiritually. Paul here is saying, I am growing, but I have not already attained. So there's still more to attain. How many still have more to attain? As long as we're here on earth, we're going to have things to attain. Paul is not assuming here that he has arrived to the out-resurrection or to the full maturity it takes to receive the reward from the Lord. He only knows the goal is out there and that it is attainable. As long as the believer is on earth, God will give him a plan for his life and goals to be attained. He always will. Paul still has more advancements to make. The ministry Paul was pursuing and overtaking was the same ministry given to Paul on the road to Damascus when Jesus appeared to him in a blinding light. 
This ministry seized and held Paul. He could never lose it or the Lord who gave it to him. He couldn't lose them. They're still there. You can you cannot do them. But how many know the gifts and callings of God are without repentance? They do not change. Now, he might have to find somebody else to fulfill what you're too lazy to do. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but the call will still be there. You say, can God still hold me accountable? Absolutely. He empowered you and called you. It would be one thing if the Lord said, do it in your own strength. Good luck. But he doesn't do that. He not only provides the salvation, he provides the empowerment. Amen. And people say, is that why the devil fights me so hard on some of this stuff? Yes, it is. He, they, he doesn't want you to get into that grace. Because if you get into that grace and then demonstrate that grace that it works, then that means Neil can see that grace and work in that grace. Then that means your spouse can see it. Come on. That means somebody else can see it. That's why we fight the good fight of faith. See, Jesus set you free and you walk in it. Then somebody else will go, well, maybe I can do it then. And that's when you introduce them to grace. This is why maturity is so important. It's just vital. We possessed by salvation, we are possessed by salvation, but we also need to possess the benefits of it through spiritual maturity. We all need to overtake that which has overtaken us. You make it your goal, your aim. You make it your focus. I give up everything else for you, Lord. You gave up everything else for me. If one died for all, <laughs> nobody wants to read that word, verse. But you know, that's before 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Then we, are all, we all consider ourselves dead to ourselves. Why? So that the life of Christ within us can come out. I'm a dead man walking. That's not just from the Green Mile. If you've seen that movie. <laughs> All right. Maturity in Christ is seen by greater and greater levels of resurrection manifesting in our day-to-day -day lives. Maturity in Christ is seen by greater and greater levels of resurrection, man resurrection manifesting in our day-to-day li -day lives. Maturity in Christ is, not, is a matter of deposit and withdrawal. Maturity in Christ is a matter of deposit and withdrawal. God deposited, I withdraw. Verse 13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead. So what does a mature person do? I do not count myself to have apprehended. Paul did not believe that he had arrived at Christ-like maturity yet. Paul and other apostles were not the spotless lambs of God. They made mistakes. They needed a Savior just like we do today. Now I'm going to read a commentary on this particular portion and what, uh, by Bob Yandian, and I, and I partially agree with him on this. I just got to clarify that. I partially, I see some truth here, but I've been taught differently on what this, uh, the situation that took place and what it meant. Paul, and this is where uh, uh, actually uh, Bob Yandian ties it back to Acts chapter 20, 21. Paul has come through the most difficult five years of his life where, where, when he's writing this book to Philippians. 
He headed to Jerusalem out of the will of God and spent two years in Caesarea under a Roman protection. He was sent by a ship to Rome and ended up in a shipwreck and stranded on Malta. He eventually went to Rome and spent two years there before being released. Paul knows he has not arrived. He used to think he had, and this caused him much trouble. He has now recovered, and he has learned, and has learned humility. Now, what, what Bob Yandin is saying is here, here is this. How many remember the story in Acts chapter 21 where the prophet comes down and binds Paul's hands or binds his own hands and feet with, the, the Bible says, a girdle. It's a belt, okay? A belt and says, this is what's going to happen to the man that owns this belt. He, the Romans are going to bind him and tie him up. Bob Yandian believes that that was a prophetic warning to Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Now, I've been taught differently. I've been taught the opposite, that the people and even the prophetic word, because the actual prophetic word doesn't tell Paul to go or not as far as the prophet goes. Now, the people did not want him to go because they thought he would die, and they loved him, and they didn't want him to die. So they told him, don't go, and they were all picking up on the Spirit of God on what was going to happen. Whether he was to go or not, I leave in Paul's decision. So his argument here is that what Paul is writing here is from this experience, that, hey, I went through this experience and I realized, wait a minute, I thought I knew more than I did and I missed it and I was off track, excuse me, he was off track for five years concerning the will of God. Now, at first, when I was in Bible college, I didn't like that argument because I like to put Paul up there with God because he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. But the reality is, Paul was a man, and he could miss it. And it could have been recorded this way so that I wouldn't do the same thing. Amen? So you say, so which one do you believe? Both. <laughs> because I don't know that I could say a hard and fast on it. You know, I mean, I can't, I can't say for sure one way. I can see some truths on that side, and I can see some truths on this side, and I can glean light from both of them. Amen? All right. So I just want to point that out. As believers, we never arrive. We only continue to get closer to perfection, and I want to use the word maturity. When we think we have arrived, we become unteachable. This is pride, the direct opposite of meekness. Paul was careless once but is now watching himself more carefully to ensure that it doesn't happen again. And I wrote in my notes here, this is me. It will not happen again. In other words, what do I know? How many have ever made a mistake and boy, you felt it? Boy, howdy. Remain teachable and watch yourself more closely. Amen? How many have done that? I mean, I've done, you do, sometimes you go, stupid, stupid. <laughs> you know, I know, I realize, you know, we're faith people, we're not supposed to say that. But I'm just telling you, I'm not stupid, but that was stupid. <laughs> okay? He goes on to say, and we'll finish with this, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting means to loose out of the mind or to neglect. It means to assign to oblivion. So, how many have a past? Well, we might as well all raise our hands. Okay. Assign it to oblivion. I don't you know how bad I messed up my kids. Yes, we do. We're around them. 
assign it to oblivion, and press toward the mark. Maturity does not dwell on failures. Come on. It does not dwell on failures. It dwells on Christ's victories. Now, you can, uh, you can acknowledge, and God will have you acknowledge things that you've done wrong, but not for the purpose of meditation, but for the purpose of realizing, oh, I went the wrong way. I shouldn't have said it that way. I shouldn't have done it that way. I shouldn't have addressed my wife in that tone of voice. <laughs> Grammy, back here, she years ago gave me a prophetic word over my life, and I still have it. I read it every once in a while. It was when I turned 24 years old, I think. Is that right? And I'm 44 today, so it's 20 years ago. And I still have it. And one of the things she wrote in there is that uh, in my wife, I have a child of God's. In other words, God is her father, so pay attention how you treat her. It's taken me a little bit, but I've gotten way better. Yeah. Uh, I know, Grammy, you're in my corner. You're always praying for me. <laughs> I need it. All right. But, I mean, we have these graces, right? And, see, here's the thing. Even in reading, even in mentioning that, let me just say this. God takes that seriously. In, he had the Apostle John write, if, you, if, 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 a, if a brother says he hates his brother but loves God, he's a liar. And if you hate your brother, you walk in darkness. I don't want to do that. You mean I'm, I'm a, I have the light, I have greater is he who is in me. But I hate my brother. You ain't doing anything great. It won't happen. You don't know what they did to me. <laughs> it makes no difference. L literally no difference. Because we all did it to Jesus. So forgetting means to assign to oblivion. This is the one thing Paul does each time the memory comes up of his past mistakes and failures. He assigns them to oblivion. This is something we must do ourselves. It is a mark of maturity to assign a past confessed sin to oblivion instead of, putting it, instead of pulling it back up and being defeated by the past. Don't be defeated by the past. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? And reaching forward, he says, I reach forward, I reach ahead, I reach forward to the things which are ahead. We reach forward by taking the word of God each day and then applying it to in our lives. The things that are referred to here are that are as ahead, the things that are coming ahead, are the truths in the word of God we still have not yet discovered. In order to keep pressing toward the goal, we, he, uh, Paul had to forget what was behind. Forgetting in this context does not imply obliterating from the mind. In other words, how many know thoughts come back to you from the past? You know what most people do? They do this. I don't know why I'm thinking this. Hello, you're not. It was brought to you by a messenger. Come on. 
Realize this, people. It, it's so, we have so, there are so many voices talking all day long. We don't even realize we're having conversations with them. Stop them. Stop them. Shut them up in the name of Jesus. Uh, you say, what do you do? I say, sometimes I'll say it out loud. That's not who I am. I don't even know why that thought's there. That's not my thought. <laughs> you say, you're crazy. No, no, I'm sane. You're going to end up crazy if you don't do that. This is why we have people running around thinking they're a female in a male's body. Guys, I'm not making a joke. This is reality. Demons are talking and they are loose. And people are entertaining them and calling it educated and free thinking and open thinking and more advanced and evolving and all this nonsense. And it is demonic and we're going to have to deal with the recourse. Thank God that the resurrection of Christ has already defeated these things and can set them free. And we'll have the power, we have the power to set them free in the name of Jesus. I don't care what it is, Jesus beat it. Amen? Mature believers will not allow the mistakes to stop their pursuit of God. Immaturity will realize it and ha- it will, will realize it has not arrived and give up, while maturity will realize it has not arrived and repent and pursue. Repent and pursue. Amen? Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.